Yeah, hi everyone. It's it's just good to be reminded that God is so holy, and I pray I pray this evening that God, you would just open the eyes of our hearts, open the eyes of our hearts, Father, for His. We we continue our series in looking at announcing His coming, and this evening I'm just looking at the, the topic is the heart of the matter, the heart of the matter, and the focus of this evening's talk is looking at the heart and specifically what are we focusing our hearts on this christmas and what is god's heart in all of this the heart of the matter just going to focus and start off by just reading from 1 1 samuel chapter 16 verses 1 to 12 and it's the the passage where samuel is um He's gone to Jesse in Bethlehem and he's and, and looking at a replacement for Saul. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. So Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him with trembling and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice and he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice when they came he looked at Eliab and thought surely the Lord's anointed is before him but the Lord said to Samuel do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I've rejected him for the Lord sees not as man sees for man looks on the outward appearance but the Lord looks on the heart Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel and he said neither has the Lord chosen this one then Jesse made Shammah pass by and he said neither has the Lord chosen this one in fact Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel and Samuel said to Jesse the Lord has not chosen these then Samuel said to Jesse are all your sons here and he said there remains yet the youngest but behold he is keeping the sheep And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for he will not sit down until he comes, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. So God effectively tells Samuel that he has looked and he has found, provided for himself a king. In Hebrew, it literally means I have seen me a king. Literally, I've seen, I've seen me a king. God's eyes have been opened. Samuel, Samuel was looking, even himself was unsure what he was looking for, I think. They were expecting someone perhaps in the model of Saul, who was perhaps slightly taller, more muscly, muscly incarnation. Um, and some of the older sons kind of filled that bill physically. Um, and Samuel himself didn't quite know what God had in mind, but... God's eyes were opened in another way. You see, the looking comes first. If you've ever to find the life you want, if you ever want to see you a king, our eyes need to be opened first. 
It's always first the eyes. It's interesting how joy is a function of gratitude and gratitude is a function of perspective. The point is that we cannot be thankful, which leads to joy, until we have seen with our own eyes the coming king. It's interesting, it just got me thinking when I was reflecting on, on that passage, how sometimes we can struggle with the concept of joy and to even be joyful, especially if someone says be joyful, we're not in the mood for being joyful. It's difficult to be joyful in, in, in difficult seasons and through difficult life circumstances. We look recently how thankfulness leads to joy, which is great. But maybe sometimes the issue is, have we changed our perspective? In other words, we only begin to change our life until we begin to see the way that God sees. If I refer back to 1 Samuel chapter 16, the Lord does not sit, sit, see things the way that we see them. He does not judge by outward appearances, as we can do, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. So always first the eyes. So just want to make a few points. And, and perhaps the first point I might raise is point one. Are we fixated on the facade? In other words, are we fixated on what we see with regard to the outward appearance at Christmas? Nick, um, last week, Nick shared how he had noticed that a lot of people have made great, great effort this year with their Christmas lights. And he noticed that that was a, a particularly um, interesting, given, given the, the circumstances we're in. I, I have to say, um, in support of what Nick shared last week, I also uh, I, I, I did a walk with my girls around the neighbourhood this, this last week and, and noticed that I also noticed how remarkable uh, some of the Christmas lights are this year, that people, especially around down in the Stable Hill, people have gone to great effort to uh to put up christmas lights and, and external decorations and it was quite it's quite a show um some quite impressive scenes and I, it struck me as well and i i just got me reflecting perhaps in the way i did with nick last week that maybe the reason for the above is is just the current season in which we're, and just just maybe the cry in people's hearts to be seen and known but if we are fixated on facade, we can be blinded to what is real and what really matters most. Just got me thinking as well about what is a facade? It's not just Christmas lights, of course. It, it can be whatever is in front of us that seems appealing or attractive. And it got me thinking about in my own field of work, often the facade is, is the glory. The facade is what's on show. It can be impressive. It can cost a lot of money. But I just wanted to share with you something about how important it is that it's the hidden parts that often are the most important parts. So over 50% of a building cost, for example, is hidden. You know, all the, all, the, all the important parts of the structural elements of the building, the foundations, the structural frame, all the mechanical and electrical, electrical installations that are really key to a building's success and longevity are actually hidden, either in suspended ceilings or in the floors or in the walls. And often only 50% of the cost is actually on show. In fact, often less than that. It's interesting. And what we see in a building is all the, all the fancy finishings, the floor, the wall, the ceiling finishes, all the, all the finishings and, and fittings that look nice and the facade. But often those things themselves have no value in holding the building up at all. They just look nice. They don't have any structural integrity. It's the foundations and the frame that hold the building together 
And in the same way, it's the heart that beats with the elevation of the veiled things in our lives. Are we ready for the veiled things to be exposed in us? Are we ready for the veiled things to be exposed? So my second point would be, what is the effect then of being fixated on the facade? What is the effect of being fixated on those things in our life that would masquerade as being attractive, but have no real depth or meaning? For if we live our lives fixated on facades, the effect is that one, we are either blinded by the attraction of the facade. In other words, we are dazzled by the attractions of this world and all that it has to offer. For we can lose our life if we choose to fix our eyes on all things unimportant and unreal. The world offers us constant bombardment of advertisements, attractions and pleasantries. Even in the current season, these things can remain, even this year. What is our response? Secondly, if we're not blinded by the attraction of the facade, we are bound up by the attraction of the facade. In other words, our whole identity and purpose can be found in the things that we see. And we often deny it. We often say, I'm not attracted to the facade. But here's the biggest problem. Because we can't see properly, our perspective is not in line with God's perspective. And this often robs us of joy because we are not thankful. We then feel guilty, but we are not thankful because we are not seeing ourselves the way God sees us. And this comes back to what I was saying earlier. What is our response to that second point too? I think that especially at the moment, it's easy to be preoccupied with activity that makes us feel good or looks good. The world is desperately looking for meaning in the season another project or something tangible to hold on to in these desperate times. But we have to be authentic. People don't want to be seen as a project. They want to feel known and be known and loved, not just now, but always. The third point is, so what is our heart's response? What is our heart's response? For I think there is a call for every Christian to answer Jesus' call, almost to be an ocular surgeon. Our seeing must cut through the surface and cut down to the soul. Perhaps a question to ask might be, is my life a shallow reflection of what is seen on the surface, i.e. superficiality, however superficial that may be? Or am I deeply absorbed in Jesus and the heart, the true heart of things? For God never stops turning things inside out, seeking all things unseen. And this goes against the way of the world. Mm. It's got me thinking recently, is it, why is it often at this time of year, Christmas is such an exciting, magical time, and yet often I can feel so troubled at this time of year and almost kind of like, there's almost a kind of... An, antipathy against Christmas that, that seems that troubles me and I think what it is it, it it brings out this it has to bring out a response of my heart response is is as a Christian is so different to what the world wants to see in Christmas that it almost brings me to that point of challenge and and that can be an uncomfortable place but my everything about Advent says Advent says look 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 but uh, it, it, my response is what am I looking at what am I seeing what am I seeing God raises the unseen and forgotten. God sent another unseen and so seemingly unimportant one to be born in Bethlehem. 
one who was left outside with the animals because there was no room at the inn. There was no glossy facade here. There was no 600 pounds per meter squared glossy rain screen cladding. This was as raw as it became. For he who is the most wonderful one became the most humbled one so that we could get to know our God. I ask the question again, is my life a shallow reflection of what is seen on the surface or am I deeply absorbed in Jesus and the heart of things? A.W. Tozer said, O God and Father, I repent of my sinful preoccupation with visible things. For the world has been too much with me. For thou hast been here and I knew it not. I have been blind to thy presence. Open my eyes that I may behold thee in and around me. For Christ's sake. Amen. A powerful thing that Tozer recognized that his need and where he was, and it's just just a very re reminder and reflection that we are all our need our eyes to be opened and our hearts to respond to God. Lord, may our hearts be open. May we recognize in the season that our hearts need to be open to you. Help us not to be blinded or bound up in the facade of superficiality, but open our hearts. And sometimes that's difficult because we, it's sometimes hard to get beyond the facade, but we need to look at the true, the true heart issue. What does Paul say? Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6, Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, so the word veil comes up again, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. So we do not lose heart. And in this season, we need to be aware of all those things that can blind us and bind us, even those things that tamper the word of God, those things that can prevent us from being, allowing God to expose those veiled things in our lives that really get to the heart of the matter, that get to the heart of who we really are at Christmas, the heart of who Jesus is. For the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light. Even the magic of Christmas in the world's eyes, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an illusion, it's, it's a blindedness. I was, I was chatting, someone in, uh, recently said that one of their favourite films of Christmas was Arthur Christmas. And the reason he liked the film was because um, 
the, the Santa is looking for a replacement because the Santa's getting old and he, he's got two sons and his eldest son looks polished and, and perfect in every way. And the youngest son, far from it. But what the reason he chooses his younger son is that the younger son gets the magic of Christmas. His, his younger son got the magic of Christmas and understood that it was the experience that mattered. And it got me thinking about this particular statement. And I felt at one level, I really understood where he was coming from. I really understood that actually at one level, um, I understood where this guy was coming from, that often um, we do need to look beyond the facade of superficiality and we need to understand the magic of Christmas. And I think at that level, at one level, the film is almost a kind of, kind of almost biblical in a way. But at the second level, I actually thought, what? but why is it I don't like that film? Because I actually don't like that film. And the reason I don't like it is because it's just not godly. It's just, it's just about the magic of Christmas and Santa and everything that is effectively an illusion. And of course, we've been given an even deeper truth. Actually, we don't need to kind of keep up even the superficiality of some magic that's not real. It's the fact that God is real and that when our hearts are exposed, the truth of Christmas comes right into our very core being, not just at Christmas, but, it, but forever. So, Father, I, my, my, my prayer for all of us this Christmas is, is that we would be willing to be, have our hearts unveiled that we would recognize that we don't have to be looking at the facade. We don't have to be looking at the superficial things, even though these are different days. The facade is still there. It may be a different facade for different people, and we may not necessarily look at the same facade, but there is a facade, and it needs to be broken down, and we need to recognize that Jesus is the light of the world and that our hearts need to be fully committed to him. So with that in mind, I'll leave us with the two questions that we can talk about this evening. The first question is, first question is, when we look at other people, how can we see their hearts and not appearances? So the first question is, when we look at other people, how can we see their hearts and not their appearance? And the second question is, what do you want to see with fresh eyes this Christmas? What do you want to see with fresh eyes this Christmas? Thank you.